sin and that will ultimately lead to death spiritual separation from God is like or you present yourself to be obedient to Jesus which now you become a slave to righteousness that leads to life and that's the great dividing point that Jesus offers now you have to ask yourself who are you a slave to who have you placed as your allegiance that leads to your obedience where have you placed your allegiance Is it in the things of this world or in Jesus? Pastor Daniel will tell you today that whatever or whomever you've placed your allegiance in, that leads to a future. And if it's anything but Jesus, you're not going to like where you're heading. Loyalty to anything in this world leads to death. Plain and simple. There's nothing here that can give you eternal life. So why waste your time with it? Trust only in Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 6 as he begins his message, A New Allegiance. So if you think about your life at all, you realize that all of our lives are driven, our decisions are made by the way that we see ourselves. We can call that our identity. And if you think about your own life, and especially for all of us hearing this, you know, uh, we have some years under our belts, uh, different numbers of years, depending on who we are. But throughout life, your identity gets built on a lot of different things. Like you think about like the way that you saw yourself when you were a teenager, maybe. You know, what drove you? What was the thing that drove the vision for how you lived your life? And then maybe as you move into your 20s, what is the thing that captivates you, that kind of drives your life? See, almost every decision that we make is driven by a vision that we have for what our life would be. You think about it with things like New Year's resolutions or goals, You know, goals and resolutions are good, but for most of us, what the problem is, is that we have these goals, and maybe the goals are right, but we actually don't actually design the behaviors or the habits that accomplish those goals. Does that make sense? So the the idea is right, but like, can I actually design ways that I live that can actually see me fulfill the goal that I have? Uh, I was thinking about a a close friend of mine. His name is Johnny. When I met Johnny in uh, 2007, Johnny had just finished losing about 120 pounds. So, you know, Johnny was a tall guy, but he had really made an identity since he was in high school. He was, you know, a high school football player and got scholarship. He was a lineman. And so Johnny was a big guy, you know, and so Johnny really got used to being like the big happy guy. That was his identity. And so when he'd go out with his friends, he would always have to eat more than them because he was going to be the big happy guy. You know, but then as he got older and he was no longer in high school, he started to say to himself, you know, do I really want to always be the big happy guy? You know, he had health things going on, all these different things. And so he's like, actually, I had to begin to see myself not as the big happy guy, but as the happy, healthy guy. You know, and it began with a vision for how he lived his life. And he ended up losing about, you know, 120 pounds. And now he's, I guess, like uh, a personal trainer. I guess what we 
you know, colloquially we'd call it. He would say he's a body transformation specialist. You know what I mean? But it's amazing now, 10 years later, this guy is just, it's, it's amazing, his physique and, and the number of people he helps. And he always says, he's like, you know, he's like, listen, you can say you want to change, but until you actually choose to see yourself differently, you'll never actually change. And that's not only true like with the things of our body, that's true in every area of our life. Our identity is not a fixed target. It's actually a moving target depending on where you are in your life and what is important to you. And if you think about the way that your life has evolved in the time that you've been here, there's all these different things that are bearing in on you that give you a vision for your life. And so really what I want to talk with you today about is... As it relates to your spiritual life, the things of spirituality, what the Bible teaches is that really what God wants to do is he wants to give you a new allegiance, right? And an allegiance is, so, is a place that you affix your, place your loyalty to. Like, let me give you an example. If you have an allegiance to your career or your job, you will do all sorts of things to see that career for be further along, to see that job succeed. Now, if you don't have an allegiance to that job, then you won't do the little things that are necessary to see that job, um, you know, prosper. Like, I remember the very first real job I had, I had a bunch of, you know, they were real jobs, but, they, you know, I was like shoveling snow when I was growing up, and I was mowing lawns, and, you know, had a paper route, but like, when they let, used to let kids, like, drive, ride their bikes and throw papers and all that stuff, you know. Uh, but I remember I got my, my very first job, I got a job at a deli. And because I was the newest hire, I was always responsible to be at work at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday morning, which my parents loved. Not really. But part of the Saturday morning thing is they had this thing called the grease trap. And it was these huge industrial size ovens and all of the grease would get funneled down to this trap. And then the Saturday morning guy had to be the person to clean that trap out for the week. So I remember when I got there and, um, and they're like, okay, so on Saturday morning, this is your job. And it was hands down the most awful thing I'd ever experienced, you know? And I remember I did it for two weeks and I quit because I didn't have an allegiance to that company to do that job. Literally. It was like, I remember just being like, you know, the boss was like, so how do you like your job? I'm like, actually, today's my last day. Why? I'm like, because, you know, like the food is great, but not great enough for me to clean out that trap every Saturday. And it was funny because then the owner was like, oh, he's like, well, we like you, so you don't have to do that job. I'm like, okay, but if you ever make me do that job, I quit. Because I, I, I didn't have an allegiance to the deli that will not be named right here, right now, to clean out their grease trap, you know? And the thing is, is whatever your allegiance is, that's what drives your life. And really, as we're talking about this idea of the secret sauce of life, the allegiances that you hold will actually drive the life that you live. And really the secret sauce of life is to make sure that you have your allegiances in the right place. Now, in order to break this open, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. We're going to be taking verses 15 to 23, or also known as the second half of Romans chapter six. At this point, we've been in Romans so long here at Crossroads that your Bible will probably open to Romans if it just falls open. So Romans chapter six, verses 15 to the end of the chapter, it says this in verse 15, it says, what then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave 
whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, what is so fascinating here is verse 15 is very similar, of course, to what we saw in Romans 6 verse 1. In 6 verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Right? And he answers, of course, absolutely not. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Paul's saying, whatever you do, don't sin that grace may abound. And then when you get to verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. So the idea here is that God's grace, the gift of salvation that comes in Christ, grace in the Bible literally speaks of unearned or unmerited favor. It's like when somebody blesses you when you don't deserve it. A great example of grace, imagine if you were uh, driving down uh, Patton Parkway here, you know, right where our church is, and you were going 85 down Patton Parkway, you know, and now the reasons why are inconsequential to my analogy here, but imagine the police officer pulls you over if he can catch up with you, you know, and then he pulls you over, like, did you know that you were going 85 in a 35, and you're like, well, actually, I did know that, because I wanted to see how fast my car could go down Patton Parkway. Right Now, if that police officer gave you justice, you would get the exact ticket that you deserve. Going 85 into 35, probably give you a reckless driving ticket, and they might uh, see how your license looks in a shredder, you know? And so that would be justice. You get exactly what you deserve. Now, if the police officer who pulled you over decides he wants to be merciful on you, he doesn't give you what you deserve. So it would be like, he says, listen, you're going 85 and a 35, and if you did that, you get reckless driving, you know, we're just going to cut up your, your license now, and you're going to be riding the bus for a while. He says, listen, you know, I'm going to give you 54 and a 35. It's still going to be a hefty ticket, but it's not going to be reckless driving, right? The police officer was merciful to you didn't give you what you deserved. Now, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, but I know a lot of you know what a police officer being merciful is like, right? It's like where where they know that if they give you what you deserve, it's really super bad. They want to help you out a little bit, but they still need to give you a ticket. But if that police officer wanted to be gracious to you, not only would he not give you a ticket, he'd give you a new car. Everyone's like, amen, right? Like, can I get pulled over? But like, they never do that. But if they did, that would be the police officer being gracious. Because being gracious is not you getting what you deserve. That's justice. Not you getting what you don't deserve, which is mercy. It's getting what you never even could have hoped for. And that's God's grace. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people struggle with the idea of God's grace because you think, well, if I'm under grace, then I can kind of, you know, grace would drive me to live however I want to. And really what Paul is saying is that if the law would make you a certain way, grace would make you even better than that. Right? Like, so God's grace is the ultimate motivator of life. And really the reason God's grace is the ultimate motivator of life is because Tied into God's grace is the gift of his spirit, which enlivens the life of God in your life. So it's not about us pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps to be better. It's about us learning how to lean into his spirit, allowing his spirit to birth the resurrected life of Jesus in us. And so our lives would be uniquely characterized. Now, here's the thing you have to ask yourself. Because 
Oftentimes people, when you look at Christianity because of God's grace, Christians don't take their life all that seriously. Is your life exemplary in the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit because of God's grace? What I would say is it should be. Our lives should be exemplary. Our lives should be atypical. As Jesus said, as we're salt and light, that we should let our light so shine before men that they'd see our good works and they would glorify our Father in heaven. See, the early church grew because the people of God were so unique in their culture, living so differently than everybody else, that everyone's like, what is up with those people? And the gospel runs forth. But unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ doesn't have that testimony today because even though we're not under the law, We're allowing God's grace to be cheapened by our actions. So from there, the Apostle Paul says something quite unique and almost provocative. I'll give you the big idea and then I'll unpack it for you. Really what these verses are teaching us is that there is freedom in being a slave to righteousness. There's freedom in being a slave to righteousness. Now, I know when I say that, everyone's like, huh? Right? Because the word freedom and slave is in there together. Right? And we have this idea that, especially when we talk about things of slavery, right? That slavery is antithetical or completely paradoxical or the exact opposite, if you want to use a normal word, to, to the things of freedom. But really what he's saying here is if you look at verse 16, it teaches us something very powerful. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Now, what this means, and I know nobody likes hearing this, but if you actually think about this, you'll realize it's absolutely true that none of us are completely free moral agents. Each one of us presents ourselves submissive or subservient to something. Remember I talked about your allegiance, the way you see yourself? Listen, if your driving passion is to be wealthy by the world's standard, you're like, look, I, I will not stop until I have $2 million in assets. Then at that point, you actually present yourself as a slave to that vision of life. And whatever way you choose to approach that goal, you, if you really truly want that, you present yourself a slave to that. You, and the idea of slavery is you give up your autonomy to a greater vision, right? Let me give you an example. For almost all of us, you have a job. Now, whether you like your job or not, when you give yourself to a job, in the biblical sense, by and large, when we think of slavery, of course, we think of uh, slavery as it relates to people uh, from Africa, where people in the West went there, kidnapped people, against their will, took them, and forced them into labor. And that is absolute atrocity. We all know that. Right? We still live in a day and age where there's human trafficking that's going on. It's, you know, it's so common. It's almost horrific. You realize that where we live, the Portland metro area is one of the hub cities for human trafficking where young people are taken against their will and they are being sold. Right? It's an absolute atrocity. Right? And so when we think about slavery, we put them in these terms given our cultural viewpoint. But in the Bible, by and large, slavery meant when you could not pay your bills on your own autonomously, you would link yourself as a servant to somebody who had more money and you would work for them and then you would 
receive wages. We would call that what? A job, right? And so in a sense, when you go to your job, you become a slave in a sense. You're, now you have much more rights than the way we would think about slavery. But the idea is, is that you give them your time. They pay you a wage and then you perform a job. Now, if you're like, well, I don't want to perform that job, then guess what? You don't have to have that job. Right, But really what you're doing is you're giving them yourself. And in the same way, what he's saying here is that for each one of us, we give ourselves to something. Now, really what Paul does, he breaks up into two places. And here's the thing. No matter what your allegiances are, you are either in one of these two categories. You are either giving yourself over as a slave to sin, which here says leads to death. Or you make yourself a slave to obedience or righteousness that leads to life. So really it's a question of what are you obeying today? And here's the thing. If you're saying, well listen, I want this thing. I want pleasure. Then you are actually obeying the desires of what you believe pleasure to be. And that ultimately leads to sin and to death. But really what Jesus offers when he enters your life, he says, look, you can either be a slave unto sin to obey the desires of sin. And that will ultimately lead to death, spiritual separation from God. He's like, or you present yourself to be obedient to Jesus, which now you become a slave to righteousness that leads to life. And that's the great dividing point that Jesus offers. Now you have to ask yourself, who are you a slave to? Who have you placed as your allegiance that leads to your obedience are you a slave to sin that ultimately leads to separation death spiritually personally emotionally even socially or have you presented yourself as subordinate or a slave to Jesus that leads to righteousness and life. Look what it says, verse 17. It says, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, really what Paul is saying here, he's like, this is why Jesus is so important. Because outside of Jesus, everybody is a slave to sin. Sin has power over you that even though you don't always do everything that sin asks of you, by and large, you're completely given over to it. And many of us know what that's like. When we look at our lives before Christ, you're like, I didn't even realize that that was wrong. And every time I wanted to do that, I just did it, right? And he's saying, but guess what? When you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing the teaching of the gospel that the apostles shared, now all of a sudden you've been moved from being a slave to sin to being a slave of righteousness. So your allegiance now moves. And of course, verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became a slave of righteousness. And what that means is that now your life is lived with a completely different allegiance. That when you wake up in the morning, you don't think it's all about me. You wake up in the morning, you think it's all about Jesus. You, when you wake up in the morning, you say, listen, it used to be about me getting what I want from everybody. And now it's about me giving Jesus what he's asking of me so that I can truly love other people. And that new allegiance changes everything. And there's freedom in being a slave of righteousness. It's like what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in me and in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? 
set you free. See, what God has done in Christ, if you have put your faith and trust in him, is he has allowed you to be freed from your enslavement to live contrary to the purposes and plans of God, what the Bible calls sin. See, sin is not that you're the worst possible version of yourself. Sin is the fact that your life never lives up to your fullest God-given potential. And not the way that you see your potential, but the way God created you. God's plans and purposes for your life. And isn't it true that before we came to know Jesus, we didn't even know what God's plans and purposes for our life was. I remember when I came to know Jesus when I was 21. And I remember being like, I didn't even know. Like I never, I had, there was no framework of this. And I remember just living my life. And I, and I actually thought that in the Bible it said, God helps those who helps themselves. I literally thought that was in the Bible. Not that I'd ever read the Bible, but I just figured that that was in there. You know, it talks about God and it's about the Bible, you know. As I grew up, being like, man, I, God helps those who help themselves. So I'm going to help myself to whatever I want. But the Bible doesn't actually ever say that. But what happens is, is God frees us up now to live a different way. With different allegiances. Whereas the way you find yourself living becomes so radically unique to what you ever thought it would be. Now he goes on from there in, in verse 19. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, but now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did then you have in those things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So really what he's saying here is that you need to leave death in the past. When you come to Christ, you need to leave death in the past. He's saying, look, before you became a slave of righteousness, he says, really all that went on is you presented your members, your life as subservient or enslaved to uncleanness and of lawlessness, which led to what? More uncleanness and more lawlessness. See, when you become a, when you live out or live into your enslavement to rebellion against God, you give yourself to, I mean, these words are kind of important, I think. He says, to uncleanness. Jesus is real. In today's message, Pastor Daniel reminded you that just because something is legal, it may not be a good idea. Many things that are accepted by the world go against what God knows is the best life you can live. You are covered by grace, and you can bring your sins to the cross, but living for Jesus means allowing limits to be placed on your life. This isn't to curb your fun, it's actually to enhance your life. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will remind you that grace is more than not getting the punishment you deserve. Grace means that you've been given new life and eternal life. You're God's child now, and you're freed from allegiance to sin. Jesus has given you a new way to conduct yourself and new purpose for living. Don't let other previous allegiances get in the way. You've been made new. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Secret Sauce. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.